0: Again, as we gather virtually one more time. Today's the beginning of Lent. In our message today, Jesus' cousin answered the call on his life. He called the people to repentance and baptism, and he speaks of the one more powerful who will come after him, the thongs of whose sandals he'll be unworthy to stoop down and untie. Wow. Jesus begins his ministry with 40 days alone in the desert, and so begins our season of Lent as we remember together all that Jesus lived, all that he bore on the cross in obedience to the Father, and ultimately his love for us, a hope and promise that comes true for us again every Easter. We keep one another company as we practice what is preached And as we practice what we preach pandemic weary and now heartsick over the war in Ukraine, it almost seems like we've been living in Lent for the last couple of years, but God's spoke not only the first word, he speaks the very last in every life. Through faithful preaching at Weston park, We have received encouragement, holding fast to the promise of the resurrection, yet forming practices that make the most of each day, refocusing, reframing, practices that help us locate the experience of God, of God's presence in our present day. Paul's words to the Philippians and Thessalonians and Alan's words to us to pray, to rejoice, to give thanks. To name in each day what we are grateful for, to find that point of joy in each day. Father, you made us from love, by love, and for love. You have pressed eternity in our hearts and given us breath to be the answer to one another's prayers for a life together that reflects your heart for all people. Be with us, I pray, in Jesus' name. See you back at the table. Don't forget to bring something to eat and something to drink.
1: Of your
2: life. This morning we're going to morning, sing. welcome to our time of community prayer. As we enter before the throne of God, let us remember that he is the God who remembers. Father God, we come before your presence in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for your love, for your grace, for your faithfulness, which is new every morning. Father God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that has been for our, the propitiation of our sins, and Jesus Christ's blood, Lord God, that speaketh much better things than that of Abel. We thank you, Lord God, for the promises of the Holy Spirit and of faith. We thank you, Father, that you, Lord God, Jesus Christ, will baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. Lord, we thank you that you have given us this Holy Spirit as our comforter and one who will teach us all things and bring to remembrance that which words that which you have spoken. God, as you remember Noah and said to him that you will never curse the earth again for man's sake, And as you remember Abraham, mighty God, and he become the father of our faith. And through Abraham, Lord God, we are blessed. As seeds of Abraham, Lord God, you said, Lord God, we shall possess the gates of our enemies. We shall be fruitful and multiply. Lord God, we thank you for the blessings and the promises of Abraham. As believer in Jesus Christ, Lord God, we will reap our benefits. Mighty God, we also know that you are the God who remember Leah. You remember Anna. You remember David, Lord God. You remember the prophets. So mighty God, Jesus, you even remember Lazarus. So Lord God, i pray lord god that you remember us while we go through another round of covid lord god and going back to school for the children mighty god while we go through this great financial famine lord god this is not new to you father this is something lord god you are jehovah joey that you know is lord god and you always deliver you always save so father god let us We pray, Lord God, that as a community, locally and globally, mighty God, that you will give us, close us with the Spirit to remember you, Lord God, to call upon you, mighty God. Father God, you are Jehovah Shalom. God, Jehovah, that's our sanctifier. Jesus, let your peace continue to reign in our hearts. Jehovah Shalom, the saving strength. Of the anointed my Lord who is our strength and saving strength of this anointed thank you Lord God for your salvation your love and your grace Jesus Christ let our hope be in you the living God who is our Savior of all men especially of the believers as you said to Philip Jesus that if he believe greater miracles he will see and that we shall be called the children of God. And Lord God, as you said to the unbelieving lady, Lord God, and she said, Lord God, that even the breadcrumbs that drop from the master's table, Lord God, the dogs eat. So we know, Father, that you, who is a true and faithful witness, Jesus, have us in in the palm of your hands. We know, Lord Jesus, that you are a soon returning king, that you have led captivity captive. Lord God, help us to read and to know more about you. Help us to call upon your word, your living word, Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God, to continue to trust in you. Mighty God, for those who lord god faith is weak who are down are depressed lord god you know we have our moments let us be remindful lord god that in an acceptable time mighty god you will you will hear us let us know that there are there is a time of refreshing mighty god of the holy spirit there's a time for the visitation of the Holy Spirit. There's a time, mighty God, for you are the God who remembers. And we pray, mighty God, that you will remember us. And we thank you, Lord God, that when you appear, Lord God, unto us, that we will find grace to sit awhile and to be entertained, and to entertain our Lord, our Adonai jesus christ our savior and so lord god this morning we thank you lord god that we know that you the government is up on your shoulder and that lord god nothing caught you by surprise for you're the all-sufficient one the omniscient god the omnipotent omnipotent god the god who is all-knowing so thank you father for your grace Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Father, for the blessings of Abraham and for favor, for you will daily load us up with benefits. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: He fills my life with good things. Good morning, everyone. Today's reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 15. And I will be reading from the NRSV. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him into out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent, and believe in the good news. Praise be to God.
4: Today we begin the season of Lent and to help us here we're going to look at the Gospel of Mark and uh, consider, you know, the face of Jesus as we hear the stories through Mark's lens about Christ and his ministry and his actions, his words, the face of Jesus. There's also going to be an online a way to participate in that so there'll be more information coming, uh, but maybe together we can help each other get some new insights into Christ. So the beginning of the Gospel, interesting actually the Gospel of God. Uh, we refer to, you know, the Gospel of Mark, but if we look at the text uh, carefully, The text talks about the gospel of God. So at verse 14, uh, Mark writes, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. That's actually the gospel of God. Jesus comes proclaiming the gospel of God. And when I thought of that, you know, I thought, hey, man, that's an interesting phrase, the way that's presented. And indeed, the word gospel comes from that statement. That's where we talk about the four gospels. Well, it comes from this, the gospel of God. And so if this is the gospel of God, then that's, that's obviously speaking into our hearts and minds in a very intentional way, a, a profound way that we might reflect and think about Christ as our Lord uh, and what that means for us in our desire to follow him in discipleship. So we're going to look then at the Gospel of God, Gospel of Mark, for these weeks leading up to Easter starting on this first Sunday of Lent. So we begin and we have these words. I'm going to pick it up actually kind of in the middle of this first chapter just because of time and focus a bit on three different stories. So, in those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. So the first story we have here, Is the baptism of Jesus and so Jesus is baptized by John and when he comes up out of the water he has a vision and he sees the heavens rent into they split apart and then the spirit descends as in the form of a dove so the spirit descends in a gentle way in a compassionate a kind way on on Jesus but it is the spirit coming this is His vision. And it's interesting here, no one else uh, hears or sees this. This is a personal epiphany that Jesus has. So the dove symbolizes the Spirit's empowerment coming upon Jesus as he's going to launch into his ministry. So there's a vision. And then with that, there's a voice. And the voice says to Jesus, You are my son, in whom I am well. Pleased. My beloved son. You are my son. So it's direct language in the second person singular. You are my son. Interesting in Matthew's Gospel it says this is my son. But here Mark presents this statement in a way Jesus hears it. It's personal. It's spoken to him. He's affirmed. He's encouraged. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You are. And so it is this baptism event of Christ that seems to be the moment that launches him into his ministry. Up to this point, he has been at home. He's living uh, in Nazareth, first 30 years of his life. He's there working as a carpenter. He hears about his cousin John baptizing in the wilderness. He's intrigued by that and he goes and then as he, participates also in this baptism, he receives his call, very clear call that he is to engage in ministry. So it's this um, statement and it's the voice, it's the vision that speaks in a personal way to Christ. Interesting that in Mark 9-7 when Jesus is with um, Peter and John on the Mount of Transfiguration then, there's also another epiphany, another uh, presentation of Christ and of hearing God's voice and there it says, you are my son, listen to him. So, and, you know, it's, it's, it's similar but then at that point the disciples hear. So this, this powerful story of the baptism of Christ, you can just imagine you were in that place, you take the Torah seriously, you want to follow God, and then you go through the waters of baptism and you have this vision and hear this voice and this launches him into ministry. So it is interesting that it's uh, predicated on the ministry of John and all the gospels pick up on John the Baptist. So it does raise the idea, well, what happens if John wasn't obedient? What would happen if John did not pick up his call to be a prophet and to live a hard life in the Judean desert? Because it's that action of John that intrigues Jesus and then Jesus goes to John to be baptized and then he moves forward in his call. So we never know, you know, we never know how our actions impact someone else even in a profound way. John's not thinking of that. He's doing what he feels he needs to do, and Jesus picks up on it. So what does that story say to us? Well, I think firstly it reinforces our call and our own commitment to hear the beginning of the good news, the gospel of God. What is my response to Christ who has heard the voice, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased? So I think it it does encourage us to keep following and to keep following seriously. Barclay has the statement, the undecided life is the wasted life. The frustrated life, the discontented life, and often the tragic life. The drifting life can never be the happy life. Jesus knew when John emerged that the moment of decision had come, Nazareth was peaceful and home was sweet, but he answered the summons and the challenge of God. This is how Barclay presents it. And so we also are called, as believers, we are called to follow Jesus and to do that in an intentional and a, you know, serious way. Secondly, it also speaks to our own identity, to our own calling, to our own purpose. You know, what are our lives about? And again, Barclay has something, he says, he, Jesus offered to his disciples a task. He called them not to ease, but to service. Someone has said that what every person needs is something in which he or she can invest his or her life. So Jesus calls his disciples not to a comfortable ease and not to a lethargic inactivity. He calls them to a task in which they would have to spend themselves and burn themselves up and in the end die for his sake and for the sake of their fellow men and women. So we have a calling. You know, we want to explore and drill down into our own lives and discover our identities. Paul says later in the epistles, our true selves, to find our true colors, to listen for God's voice. So this baptism of Jesus speaks to, for us in terms of following him, to do so in an intentional way, and also to discover our own identity in Christ, that we are the children of God. Jesus is the son of God. We are his brothers and sisters. We become children of God. And it is this fundamental reality that is to draw us and to lead us in our lives. So we pause and we reflect, okay, how how am I taking that seriously? My identity in Christ, first story. Second story, we note that Jesus, after this baptism, is immediately driven into the wilderness. And so, you know, we hear the statement here, at once, verses 12 and 13, at once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. He has his moment of call, explores and drills down into his own identity, and then he is driven by the spirit, the spirit who comes down upon him as a dove, drives him into the desert, and there he is tempted by Satan, Satanás, for 40 days, the tempter, the one who is probing into his life, okay, what are you really about, and are you really going to do what God is calling, so it's, It's to enter into the desert and to experience an absence of God. So interesting that Jesus is driven right away into this challenge and in some way he experiences this absence. And then he has to keep coming back to trusting and depending and leaning on God. And so as Jesus was driven into the wilderness, we also have our own wilderness experience. Satan is also our adversary. Satanas is Satanas' adversary, the force of chaos, hostile powers. And we know this is real. Just think of what's going on in, in uh, Ukraine today. I mean, why, why do countries all of a sudden just break into war? You know, why why are why is there such a drive for power and control over others? I mean, here we are in 2022 and and we're still fighting battles and warring with one another as, you know, the Greeks and Romans did 2,000 years ago and before that. We're doing the same thing. So, you know, it speaks that there are indeed powers of evil, powers that want and and, and cheer on in terms of violence and aggression against one another. There, There are these powers. And it it doesn't take too much for us to stir all that up. Wherever we see this kind of abuse and violence and aggression. So the world experiences an element of wilderness, for sure, chaos. But so also do we. If Christ, the Son of God, experienced this, then we as the children of God will also experience our own desert in our own wilderness. So the issue then is what about my following? What what is happening with me in my desert time? God works even within the wilderness, obviously. He, He worked with Israel in the wilderness. He's working now in John when he's in the wilderness, the Baptist. He's working in Jesus in the wilderness. And we also find ourselves in the wilderness at various times. Hebrews writes, for the Lord disciplines those whom he loves and chastises every child whom he accepts. For they disciplined us for a short time as seeming best to them, but he disciplines us for our good in order that we may share his holiness. So God does work in these hard times and is with us in the hard times so that we might be refined and and made stronger ultimately in Christ. So there's a moment of baptism, identity. There's a moment of wilderness, our own desert experience, even as Christ had his. And then that finally leads to the third piece, and the third piece is Jesus coming and announcing his gospel, the gospel of God. Verses 14 and 15, now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God or proclaiming the gospel of God. The word is gospel there. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. That's Jesus' message. That's how he launches his kingdom and the the gospel of God. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. So it begins with an announcement. And the announcement is the time has come. Time there, the word is kairos. The kairos moment, the moment of opportunity or the moment of crises has come. This is the time. And the good news of God has drawn near. That's, those are the words that Jesus goes out and announces. We have all the history of Israel from Abraham on, through Moses, David, and so on, the prophets. The time now has come, the kairos moment, that moment. The kingdom of God has drawn near. That's the announcement. And it's good news. The gospel of God is good news. It's a good news story. It's an opportunity to open the door and to go deeper with God in our lives, no matter what season in our life we're at. Younger, older, middle-aged, it doesn't matter. The good news of God, the gospel of God comes to us, the kairos moment, will we hear, will we receive? That's, that's the invitation for us all. Jesus is giving that announcement to the people that he speaks to, to his own disciples. But the response has to be theirs, the response has to be ours. And so it goes, it it goes to the appeal. So there's an announcement and there's an appeal. What's the so what? Well, repent, comes in two words. Repent, which means just change your attitudes, change your life, change your life around, change your way of thinking, change your way of approach to the world. Repent, turn around. No longer self-centered, but kingdom-centered, God-centered, and in Christ, Christ Christ-centered. Repent, really means to wake up, to stop playing games, to listen to what God is saying. Wake up, it's a word that's used in the epistles as well, Paul uses it. Keep watching, wake up, and believe. Note what he says kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the gospel and believe the good news. Believe is to open our heart in faith. Truth is not always self-evident. You know what I mean? It's not always knocking you over the head. You you have to, and I have to, we have to open our hands to receive the truth. Repent and then open our hearts. As Nouwen says, move from closed fist to open hand. Have faith, repentance and faith go together. Faith is never static, it it continues to call us to keep our hands open. You know, much of life is mysterious. In much of life there is, you know, an element of doubt, a lack of certainty. Just think of the light spectrum, you know, for us to see, the light spectrum is massive, it's long. And we only see this little bit of the light spectrum. And on other sides of it, it, the real light is there, but it it continues, that spectrum. But we only see this little bit. It's interesting, manta shrimps, these big shrimps, very powerful, they have better eyesight than we do, manta shrimps. And they see into the infrared. They, They see farther on the spectrum than we do. So we don't see it all. So what is my point? Well, that's how we live our lives. We don't don't get to see everything, but we still have to live, and we, we live in what we know, in trust in other things. That's faith. So repent and believe the good news. Those are the words that Jesus continues to say all through his ministry. So thinking in terms of those three vignettes, the identity of Christ is baptism, the struggle in the desert, the wilderness experience, and then the message of the gospel of God. So what then does that say to us as we begin this season of Lent? Well, one, Lent calls us to do some serious listening. It, it means to really listen. It means to wake up. Wake up. Hear what God is saying. You know, we've been looking at my book, The Walking the Line, the Embracing the Imperatives of Jesus. Now, what what is that all about, really? Embracing the imperatives of Jesus is a call for us from Christ to wake up. That's what it's really about. Will we wake up? Will we wake up and hear his word to us to do some serious listening? Lent is about listening. Lent is about hearing and wanting to be more serious in our following of Christ. Paul says, work out your salvation. That's what we're called to do. Secondly, the truth is not always self-evident. We've already mentioned that. So we have to go forward. It's interesting, there's a story of John, John the Baptist, and he's in jail. Goes on a little bit in the Gospel. And he's in jail and he believes that Jesus, his cousin, is the Messiah, and part of him expects that Jesus the Messiah will get him out of jail. Surely the Messiah of God can get me out of jail. And so he's sitting in jail. But Jesus doesn't come and get him out. And so he decides, well, man, I—I got. You know, am I right on this or not? Is he the Messiah? So he sends one of his friends to Jesus to say, Jesus, you know that John's in, the, in jail. Can't we get him out? He's, he's, he's questioning. John is questioning, is Jesus the Messiah or not? And Jesus' response is, well, just tell them what what you've seen. Tell them what you've heard. You know, the eyes of the blind are, are opened and the lepers are cleansed and the lame are healed. The truth is pronounced. And guess what? John doesn't get out of jail. He has to go forward in faith. Not really the answer he wanted to hear. But truth is not always self-evident. So believe and have faith. But thirdly, it is indeed a good news. It's a good news story. It's the gospel of God. That's the good news. And so Lent is about going forward in the good news of God. And fourthly, finally, not to simply be observers, but to be active disciples. It's not just about seeing and doing nothing. It's about following in an intentional way and saying yes and to do what you can for Christ, each of us in our own ways. So as we launch into Lent, we're considering the face of Christ. If you're able, keep an eye on our online, website and see how people are participating and speaking to this virtual story of the face of Jesus. Maybe that can encourage us, energize us a bit. Stay in the Gospels, read these stories, hear Christ's voice, to become active disciples for Jesus. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. (laughs)
0: Loving and heavenly Father, we give thanks for this day and for each person. We give thanks for this bread and this cup that represent and remind us of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. We come to you just as we are, with all that we are and all that we are not, with all that we have done and with what we have left undone. We can neither earn nor deserve the grace offered us. Dear God, please reveal to us any seeds of violence in our own lives. Grant us the spirit of reconciliation that we might work for peace that unites left and right, that includes the voiceless and the powerless, that enables those without agency, that beats swords into plowshares. Without you, we are unable to find any peace. For the blood shed and the body broken, we give thanks and receive bread for the journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and grant
1: us peace. Amen. Mm